Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining me again for another episode of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Before we kick off today, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor offering tree, and particularly today in regards to memberships. I was having a 90-minute intensive with a fantastic client, Uh, Last week, and we were talking about her membership site and how she can make it super easy. And she was just talking about the software that she uses and how it's really expensive. So if you have been thinking about offering memberships, check this out. When you start to have a loyal group of students who show up for you week after week, creating a membership is a great way to transition to reliable income that you can really count on. So you already know that I recommend Offering Tree as your online yoga business one-stop shop. And that's because Offering Tree makes it easy to set up and grow your memberships. When you use Offering Tree, you can create memberships that include unique bundles of classes, courses, and on-demand offerings. And you can set up as many memberships as you want. You can charge clients monthly, annually, weekly. I know some of you are into that. Or choose your own billing cycle with Offering Trees membership tools. And if recurring payment plans don't fit, you can also sell packages that can be refilled when needed. I mean, how good is this? Seriously, check it out. If you've been looking for an easier way to run the online part of your yoga business, please do go check out Offering Tree. It's an easy all-in-one tool to host your website, schedule classes and private lessons and sell memberships. And just between us, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than a lot of the alternatives. I'm just saying. Plus, not only that, like I also have a deal, like get it. Uh, Go over to offeringtree.com forward slash Amy for 15% off the first year or or you can either, you can pick that or you can have 50% off the first year three months offeringtree.com forward slash amy head over check them out and uh let me know Alrighty, righty. So today we're going to be talking about another goddess another one of the Mahavidyas if you're into that caper um Dumavati In particular, because I think today I really feel called to talk about the crone, the crone in our lives, the crone in yoga. And of course, uh, I'm called to talk about the crone because this episode of the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast, actually, I'm recording in advance, probably at the time that you're listening to it, uh, I'm attending the funeral of my amazing grandma. Uh, Alma Rose McDonald, who passed uh, last Tuesday, made her transition last Tuesday uh, in her mid-90s. Freaking amazing woman and one of my best ever friends. So I thought today, what better goddess to talk about than Dumavati? Because (laughs) if nothing else, that woman knew how to rock a pair of saggy boobs and so did my nana. Well, I don't think she would mind me saying at this point, she just had the one. 
But that's another story. All of you fabulous women with none or one boob. Yes. So we're going to be talking about uh, Dumavati and and the crone and uh, passing and loss and celebrating the elderly women in our lives and uh, in our practice and what uh, Dumavati um Dumavati really represents, there's so many things as all of these goddesses that she represents. And in particular, um, some really strong characteristics that I think we can apply as we normally do here in, uh, in life and in business. So let's start by talking a little bit about her because I got to say, I've been doing a bit of reading as I am wont to do in preparing for these podcasts. They trash talk this lady. I mean, if you aren't young and beautiful with plump, hurt breasts in uh, yoga mythology <laughs> you ain't making friends so that's part of what I want to just correct today uh, you know uh, <laughs> it, let's face it I am a huge fan if you've not taken my social media confidence for yoga teachers free version yet if you want to rant about why it's important to get your pendulous breasts or your tiny boobs or maybe you don't have boobs at all Maybe you got man ones, maybe you got lady ones, maybe you got none. Uh, maybe you got three nipples, like a friend of mine. Okay, great, whatever. My point is, uh, it's time to reclaim some space from young beauty. There is young beauty is beautiful, but we're all here. We all get to take up some of that space. So I'm going to say on behalf of um, Dumavati that everyone gets to hang out in yoga, no matter what the goddamn hell you look like. But here we go. Like I said, she gets trash-talked a little bit. I'm reading here again from, like I did last week, David Kinsley's uh, Tantric Visions of the Divine Feminine, an amazing resource I recommend completely. Here he goes. The goddess should be imagined in the following way. Her complexion is like the black clouds that form at the time of the cosmic dissolution. Her face is very wrinkled and her nose, eyes and throat resemble a crow's. Shady. She carries a broom, a winnowing fan, a torch, and a club. Her face has a venomous expression. She's very old. <laughs> and she wears the plain clothes of a mendicant. So do I, often. She has disheveled hair. So do I, often. And her breasts are dry and withered. I don't know about you all, but I don't mind my breasts being dry. I'm just going to say. I guess they mean not lactating, but... Anyway, uh, she is without mercy. She frowns. Well, probably because she's just been trash talked. <laughs> do, do, he goes on a few pages later. Dumavati is the aspect of reality that is old, ugly, and unappealing. Wah. The Mahavidyas are supposed to represent the diversity of reality. So we have the female form, the young, the beautiful forms, and we also have the ugly and the fearsome forms. I want to say today... That old and ugly aren't, you know, let's not, con let's not, let's not unnecessarily combine those two. My Nana, spunk, down and out freaking spunk, knew how to rock a twin set right up until the end. Spunk. Also this thing about being fearsome when you look old. I also want to just like, fuck that, man. No, no, no. I think fearsome about being old. And yet, aren't we terrified? We're so terrified. So, um, 
One of my favorite origin myths of um, Dumavati is uh, she was in the form of Sati. So Sati being Shiva's first missus. And um, she's hungry and she's like, oh, I'd really like something to eat. And he's like, nah, yeah, no, I don't have, I don't have anything. It's like when my paramour comes to my house, I got no food. Fortunately, this doesn't happen between the two of us. Uh, uh, Sati says, well, what do you mean you got no food? She was like, dude, I got nothing. I, I meditate a lot. I, I, the cupboards are bare. And she says, yeah, but I'm seriously hungry. And he says, well, I don't know, figure it out. So what does she do? She eats him. <laughs> she eats him. <laughs> yes, she does. Uh, he gets a little bit uh, annoyed at that. He's like, oh, that didn't, hey, love, um, that doesn't work for me. Uh, <laughs> so he finally persuades her to disgorge him. Don't you just love that phrase? How often do you get to say that? She disgorged him. Um, and he was a bit pissed and cursed her to take on the form of Dumavati. Isn't that interesting? The man curses the woman. And what does the curse look like? Oh, you've got to be old with dried out boobs. You look cross all the time. Another of her origin myths is when, you know, Sati, Shiva's first missus, threw herself onto the sacrificial fire, which is where that phrase comes from, committing Sati. Uh, the smoke from the burning body was um, Dumavati. Dumavati is also the, uh, the goddess of, like, the smoky one. The smoky one is what her name means. All of this to say she's, she's, she's fairly fierce and... Um, and I like that. I like I like fierce old ladies, which is the perfect segue to tell you a little bit more about Alma, my grandma, um, who, you know, growing up, uh, she's my dad's mother. Um, and we weren't all that close. Uh, I wasn't, you know, over there all the time like some of my cousins were. We lived a little further away. I, you know, I thought she was a good grandma. Her husband, Reg, uh, he, he passed some time back now. Uh and he was a bit scary, not going to lie. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, we didn't go there all the time. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I was in my early 30s, actually, when my life blew up, when I had my own eat, pray, love moment and um, found myself, you know, uh, on my knees, Elizabeth Gilbert style going, what the hell is happening? Homeless, unemployed all my money given to, to, to my ex, you know, just in a hot mess, uh, that my Nana took me in and I lived with her. Um, I lived with her in, in a, in the town, the small town where she lived, which was essentially one of those retiree kind of towns, you know, old people move there once they've retired and they buy a boat and they putter around on the boat and they join the lions club and, you know, they, they potter in the garden and, and the whole town was full of these people. And, um, and I remember living with her at that time and just being, uh, you know, the most depressed I've ever been in my life. Um, you know, was thinking all the bad things and really having a hard time of it. I think I lost about 15 kilos in three weeks. Uh, I had at that time, despite being 32, uh, I really did have the breasts of a crone. Let's just say that's what happens when you lose 15 kilos in three weeks. It's not pretty. Uh, and, and I found, you know, just that time that that's when we really started to form a friendship and, and become really, really close friends. And I absolutely consider her to be one of my 
best friends and I think having older, elderly, elderly women in my life as as very close friends, uh, women in their crone years, has been incredibly important for me in formulating who I am as a woman and how I want to show up in the world. And I remember, you know, when I was living there for that time with her, um, because the whole town was filled with people who were elderly and had gone through loss or were, were, were caring for a dying or ailing spouse, you know, there was so much grief in that town. I remember vividly once um, being at the supermarket and uh, my, you know, Nana had sent me down to the supermarket to buy what old people, a tin of, a tin of peas and a loaf of sliced wholemeal bread and all the, you know, butter, all the things that old people buy. So I'm, you know, buying all this stuff at the little supermarket there. And I'm the only person under like 75 in the whole place. And I'm walking around, picking up my things and putting them in my basket just feeling so sorry for myself that I've lost everything. You know, my, my, my partner had thrown me out. That part of my life was over those, the, the, the kids that I was helping to raise, you know, that was all done. I couldn't work anymore because I couldn't think I was working as a freelancer. So I was, you know, that was all done. Nowhere to live. I was feeling so sorry for myself. Walking around the supermarket and then realizing that Everybody else there had like uh, had had their hair set, you know, blue hair, you know, like elderly ladies doing their groceries all by themselves. All of these women, 75 and up. And I'm walking around in the prime of my life, able-bodied, healthy, essentially well, and I just realized, Amy, get over yourself. Like this is what loss looks like. All of these women they're still out here. They're still coming to buy some mayonnaise and some potatoes and, a, you know, a, a single lady's serve of sausages. Get over yourself. You want to know what loss is? It's everywhere here. Incredibly powerful learning for me about loss, aging and perspective. I've been reading um, as, I've, you know, been in the whole of it. I think I mentioned on an earlier episode that I had a car accident. Uh, two weeks ago, I had the car accident um, on the way to do the last visit to my Nana. Uh, I still got to see her. That was great. We had a really good visit. Um, it was sort of the last kind of, uh, you know, really uh, coherent kind of visit that she had. We laughed a lot. I took my sister. It was it was a great visit. We got to see her three times, three rat tests, three show your flu vaccine, <laughs> like three sets of face masks, all of it. But, you know, we, we got to do it, um, which is a, an incredible blessing. So, you know, I, 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 I uh, destroyed my car, killing an innocent animal on the way to that. And so, you know, between then and, and now, and probably I'm going for a little bit longer, I've, I've been in a bit of a hole and, and in that, uh, darkness, you know, because there's always, um, great fruits there, right? If you just let them, it let them sort of come to you. I've been revisiting some books that have always made an important difference for me, even if it's just like a little, a little, sprinkling of seasoning from them maybe not reading them at length and in particular I've been going back over the heroine's journey uh by Maureen Murdoch came out in the 90s it's totally dated <laughs> there's some stuff in there that's like whoa damn um but there's still some gems in there and 
I love this part. She says, um, she writes, when a woman returns from the underworld, dragging her bag of bones behind her, she yearns to be comforted and held and nurtured. There is a desire to crawl into the lap of a mother figure, to be held to her breast, soothed and told everything is going to be okay. And I love that because that's what I received from my Nana at that time in my life and what I have continued to receive from her over the years. And absolutely, you know, what I have received from other crones in my life uh, at similar at similar times. I, when I was in my early 20s, uh, I had, um, I, 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 I was just finished university and I was at a bit of a loose end and I couldn't, get a job and I was working selling Balinese homewares at a shopping mall and it was completely depressing. The only thing I learned there was it's actually espresso, not expresso. Yes, I was a bogan. I'm working on it. I'm still proud. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the things I did, um, I joined the local environment group and the president of that environment group, her name was Beryl Phillips and she was, I don't know, ancient. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, kind of like hard to kind of tell her shape. A lot of shawls, a lot of cardigans, a lot of crocheted, self-crocheted things, a lot of mauve, a lot of purple, a uh, lot of berets, a lot of woolly things. And um, she, you know, you get young blood into a, or, you know, fresh meat into a community organisation. I was the secretary within about two meetings and then I think I was also the treasurer. Anyway, I formed a friendship with this woman and I'd never had a friend in her 80s until that time. And when I was in my early 20s, I don't think I even knew anybody, at least not as a friend, who was that old. And I learned so much from Beryl. Uh, and she was the sort of old lady. She lived in a house that she'd built herself. It was a mud brick house. She'd built it herself. She'd been a devout um, environmentalist her whole life. She, her, her lounge room was full of filing cabinets. Like every wall was just a row of filing cabinets full of newspaper clippings and petitions and everything you could imagine. Just the keeper of records. There was pots and pots of feathers and dried hydrangeas and dusty pottery bits and pieces that people had made for her over time and awards and, you know, all sorts of things. And, <laughs> this is, you know, really at the time I was scared of it as we can be scared of, um, Dumavati, but of that kind of crone energy. But once I got the hang of it, I just fell in love because she had post-it notes all over her house, like post-it notes on how many times to turn the hot tap in the kitchen and to off. I mean, for me, I just turn a tap until it stops running. No, no. For Beryl, there was a certain number of rotations for the faucet to turn it off the right way. She, um, <laughs> she was, she, she was, she loved God. She loved Jesus. Um, and she was also incredibly open-minded. I remember she asked me once, are you a homosexual? <laughs> I was so taken aback. I I don't even know. I can't even remember what I said. I think she's the only person that's asked me that question in that particular uh, way. Love it. I suspect Beryl was a homosexual, but good Lord, I didn't have the courage to ask her. Um, you know, she definitely had that kind of, uh, you know, Edna Walling, Vita Sackville West kind of flair. Um, a solo lady, although I suspect you know, she 
probably would have done very well to have a female companion. She, I went for dinner there once and uh, she made this ridiculous meal and um, I think I, it was the gravy boat, the gravy boat. Okay, Amy, pour that. That's the sauce, but now pour it into the – no, that, no not, not that jug, that jug. Okay, yes, that jug. Pour the gravy into that jug. Okay, now put it down on the table. So I pour the gravy into the gravy jug, put the thing down on the table. And she says, put it there. Okay, I put it there. She says, no, not there, there. It's like a centimeter to the left. Okay, <laughs> it goes there. You know, this is that sort of, this is that kind of thing that, um, you know, you just earned it. These women have just freaking earned it. You have earned the right to say, not there, there. Beryl died. Uh, she died actually, um, yeah, I, I went to see her in intensive. I'd never been into intensive care until she was there. And, uh, you know, it's just, she was such an earthy woman that like it was that, um, Ollie esque with just less about sort of wilting flowers and more about dried ones. Her house was always dark. Um, she had fibromyalgia. She lived a very careful life. Uh, and I remember going to see her in intensive care. You know, she's, she's essentially gone. She's got every, machine hooked up and just the beeping and the flashing of the lights. And I thought she would hate this. She would hate this. This would trigger her nervous system. This would do all the things that she like, you know, she was the, she was the person that didn't want to live near power lines. She was the person who didn't have electronics in the bedroom, all of these things. And it was terrific to go see her and uh, just before she passed in this really contrived environment. And I think, you know, we, we, we need to, recognize this incredible gift that the crones in our lives give us and honor them and respect them. There's something very strange that happens. And I'm certainly not an expert or even remotely educated on this matter, just purely from my own experience. Something that happens when people become elderly, we treat them like children again. And I find that fascinating, you know, even just being around my Nana with other people and um, other people would talk to her like she was a child uh, and, and not just in the most recent visits where she was sort of struggling with things to keeping things. She, she, you know what she actually, I don't know. Is, do you, what do you think? Let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Do you think that she was with it or not with it? When she said to me on a, my last visit with her, do you do some modeling, Amy? You've got a lovely figure. I said, Oh, of course I do. Nana. And she says, yes, I thought you must. And I said, yes, I just go by the name Elle McPherson. She said, oh, yes, I thought so. <laughs> Love it. You know, we need to, we need to like honour these women and treat them like the wisdom holders that they are, even when things get a bit sideways, even when their bodies break down. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares that their faces get all wrinkly I don't. You've earned that shit, love. Who cares that their boobs get tiny? I don't. Who cares? Uh, but just really honoring these women and looking to what they have to teach us. There are so many pictures of these goddesses that we hold up in yoga as, as we should. You know, they're great. And also, let's make space for everybody. Let's make space for everybody here. And uh, Dumavati, I think, you know, let's let's make space for her too. Um just looking again back to the tantric visions of the divine feminine. Um, you know, it, even though a lot of the iconography, I don't know, for me, it just feels really misogynistic, right? Like you get 
women get old, they're widows now. Well, obviously they're useless and ugly, right? Like throw them out. Fuck you. Uh, um, what we also know about her is that she gives boons. Like she's not, she has power. She gives cities to people who respect her. She still has goddess powers. She's not used up and worn out and to be thrown away. If you respect her and look to her for guidance, uh, and if you're her devotee, she's absolutely there for you. And, and she, um, and she really looks out for people who are up shit's Creek. You know, if you are in trouble, that's where she's hanging out. She's hanging out where people are in trouble. She's, you know, Beryl, Beryl was my, my, um, grandmother figure, my crone, my wise crone, my introduction even to that role in my life. When I was completely at a loss, I'd done my environmental science degree. I couldn't get a job. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I came to work with her and I took on a whole bunch of volunteering stuff and I built myself a reputation and she introduced me to people and she pointed me in the right direction. Um, I was kind of coming out then or getting my head around that and she modeled what it can look like to be an independent woman. I'd been raised on a diet of you'll find a man and then you'll be okay. And here's this lady who's never been married and had an incredible life. And this was a whole new thing to me. You know, she, when I was lost and troubled, she found me and, and took me under her wing and the same with my Nana, you know, when I was homeless and no money and, and at the darkest point of my life, uh, she took me in and she just fed me like there was breakfast, there was morning tea, there was lunch, there was afternoon tea, there was dinner. Sometimes there was supper. She just fed me because I was so unwell. I was just shedding, shedding weight. You know, that thing that can happen when you're, when you're in such a state of grief. Um, you know, these crones, these, these haggard old widows, uh, or, or, or better, or even worse, spinsters, barren women, you know, took me in and, and gave me great comfort. And not only that, they, they sort of righted me and set me back out into the world. Incredibly powerful. Dumavati does this too. She gives us boons when, and she will find us in the troubled places. Sometimes it's those qualities that we need. We don't need the, the bright, you know, um, sparkling resplendent goddess. Sometimes we need the old woman who doesn't have the fancy clothes, who doesn't come with lotuses and coins pouring out of her palms, but just comes with the basic tools that she has. And she says, you know what, I've been there and it's going to be okay. You know, this is not a miraculous fix, but it's that quality of, it's that quality of not having any judgment because you're greater than that. That's what I always loved about my Nana. She never approached me with judgment. She just absorbed whatever I was going through, you know, um, and never judged me. We've got my branch of her family, my, there's some wacky shit. Everyone else is like really normal. (laughs) My branch, not normal. Uh, all, let's just call it the black sheep branch, but she never judged any of that. She just took it in her stride, absorbed it, and we kept on moving. And I love this about the, the crones in our lives. They've been through too much shit to really give any fucks about ours. 
right? Super powerful. Um, the, you know, they have a generosity of spirit that I think only comes with age and, and experience and overcoming and surviving loss. You know, my, my grandma and my grandpa, they still had sexy Thursday nights, like right up until he died. They were bananas for each other. Thursday nights was Thursday nights until the end. Imagine that, to lose that and still be okay. Mind-blowing. You know, these people have, have, have overcome all sorts of incredible things. Uh, reading now a little bit from the myths and gods of India, and as always, I'll put all of the um, I'll put all of the references in the episode notes so that you can check them out. A little bit more. For, this is from uh, this is from the Dumavati Tantra. She appears as a woman of unhealthy complexion, restless, wicked, tall, with a dirty robe and dishevelled hair, with gaps in her teeth. She looks like a widow and holds in her hand a winnowing basket. Her eyes seem cruel. Her hands tremble. Her nose is long. She behaves deceitfully and is sly in her looks. Insatiably hungry and thirsty, she inspires fear and is the instigator of quarrels. You know, it strikes me that um, if we look at that a little more closely, this sounds like the kind of lady that I want to, I want to hang out with. She doesn't care about what she looks like. So what? She's got gaps in her teeth. Deal with it. She's got her clothes on. Look at this. Her eyes seem cruel. Hello. Maybe she's just being decisive. Maybe she can actually like see through you, mate, whoever wrote this particular text. Let's face it. It was a man. She behaves deceitfully. Does she though? Or is she just getting what she wants. Is she just getting her needs met? Hmm. Insatiably hungry and thirsty. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Lady just wants to eat something. Instigator of quarrels. Oh, don't you like that one? Don't you like being told that as a woman? I, um, as you can probably imagine, when you crash your car, there's a fair few people that you have to talk to. Let's just say I've had a lot of things mansplained to me over the past two weeks and my patience for such things, that's, it's giving me an opportunity to practice. It is giving me an opportunity to practice. But I do feel that if you asked one or two of the chaps that I have had to talk to in requiring my case to be handled with greater professionalism and diligence than it has been, I may be called an instigator of quarrels. Now, another crone in my life who I hadn't spoken to since before COVID, because if you're a crone, you can't have people just come visit you in a global pandemic. Anyway, this particular crone, her name's June. She's 84. On the day... Alma, my grandma died. June rang me. Don't you love those things? We haven't spoken for two years. What day does June ring? She rings me the day my Nana dies, like within three hours of her death. Excellent. I needed it. And she tells me that I need to come over and visit her because she's had a stroke and uh, she's got a hole in her heart and she doesn't have much longer to live and she wants to give me something. And she goes on to say, and I need to give it to you because otherwise my family will take it to the op shop. <laughs> it's the thrift store, the like charity shop. 
So, you know, it's, it, this is this is uh, this is not some great inheritance. She's not going to sign her house over to me or anything. I can't wait to see what it is. I'm a, I know I shouldn't have expectations. I'm kind of hoping it's a teacup. I suspect it's going to be a China doll. Anyway, I'll let you know. I was talking to June about she's always called my car Angel. She's she named my car. I have a, I had a, have had depends who you ask a silver Mazda three as my car. And June named it Angel. Okay, it's always been called this because it's a silver angel, right? And June loves herself a bit of Jesus as well. So great, silver angel. I can dig that. So I was telling her about Angel's demise and how they wanted to scrap Angel and how I was going to have to get a new car. And I didn't, I don't know anything about cars. And my dad helped me pick that car out and he's not here to do that for me anymore. And, you know, I've got, a, I've got an attachment. What can I say? Damn it. Yogini or not, I got an attachment to this stupid secondhand Mazda 3. And June says to me, well, girl, you've just got to get yourself to Melbourne and get your car back. This is the 84-year-old crone in my life. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I don't know about that. And she said, just take a cricket bat, Amy. Just take a cricket bat and go get Angel back. Yes, this is what I need. This is the energy of a crone. This is Dumavati starting quarrels. She is taking she is taking names. This 84-year-old lady who's got to get me to come over to get my inheritance because she's going to pass any time. I, I should be taking a cricket bat to the wreckers and getting my car back. She says, just drive, just drive it back slowly. Angel will be fine. <laughs> See, we all need this energy in our lives. You know what? Yes. Yes, the crones are instigators of quarrels. Yes, they can look fierce. Yes, sometimes they can even behave deceitfully. And you know what? That's awesome. We all need more crones in our lives. One of the things, as I just read in this passage, that um, Dumavati is known for is she holds a winnowing basket. A winnowing basket is a device like a sieve <clears throat> that's used to separate the grain from the chaff, right? You shake it and the grain falls through when the chaff is done. And so what this represents to us is the quality of discernment. And it's a similar metaphor in the sense, at least, that I'm interpreting it today as um, Saraswati's swan, right? The milk from the, 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 the hamsa, you know, discernment. But, but I like this more because it's not beautiful. This is a, this is a practical tool. This is a tool of farmers. Um, this is an earthy tool. It's not a lofty, white, pure swan. This is a, this is a, an earthy you can make this yourself you know poor people the poverty kind of tool this is not a this is not a a, a typical goddess accoutrement right and she uses it to discern and and in particular it's discerning what is permanent from what is fleeting and it's funny you know finding myself back in this grief you know going back into the descent of the grief process The, the years of yoga practice and the years of, for me, more recently, you know, it's more jnana yoga, it's more assimilating knowledge and taking it in. <clears throat> the permanent and the fleeting feels different, this cycle through losing someone very close. 
and it's like the, 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 the grief feels like the fleeting part and the love feels like the permanent part. And it's, it's like so many of those meditation teachings. I was talking to my friend about this the other day. He, um, he, he was a, a Catholic monk for a time and a philosopher. And we were talking about the practice. He was saying there's something similar in Catholicism. I was talking about how, you know, we have it in, in, in this um, practice as well, whereby you can, you use an external source to generate a feeling tone until you no longer need the external source. And I can do that already with Alma. I can definitely do it with Beryl where I have that their presence then the I don't have their presence. I have the, the 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 sensations the the that I create for myself. I have that. I can turn that on. I can receive that for myself. Foster it. Create it for myself whenever I like. That feels like the permanent part, and the fleeting part feels even more fleeting. The more yoga that I do, but the for today in making this because of obviously so far it's been all about me. I thought, you know, what, what of all of this, um, what of all of this, you know, maybe more universal for, for you listening in. And I guess the first thing is that, um, if you're going through any type of grief or loss, um, sending my love out to you, uh, in, in a torrent, in an absolute fucking torrent, uh, because I know what it's like to have just a small kind word from someone that you don't even really know can just make everything can be like a, like a healing balm, right? It can just be amazing. So there may be the other thing that may be universal is looking to these crones. Maybe you don't have them in your life. Maybe you have had them in your life. Maybe you need to go out and get some. Maybe you're that you're 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 living. Maybe you are one. Uh, maybe you know you got oodles of them in your life. Um, but I think we can all just whether it's whether it's conceptual, theoretical, um, like recalling or or taking darshan with an image um, of Dumavati. Or, or whether it's your own grandma or mother, your friends. You know, these old ladies have so much to show us about overcoming, about resilience, about just having fewer fucks to give. I mean, the stuff that we can get tied up about that simply doesn't matter, you know? It just doesn't. So much stuff that we're like, wah, doesn't matter. We can just shed it. And these crones, I think, are such a powerful <laughs> reminder about what actually counts. If And if you're sweating the small stuff, you haven't lost enough yet. Like, we don't need to do that. Optional, optional, surrendering optional angst and drama. Uh, when you get down to the heart of it, when we all haul out our own winnowing basket and give it a shake, like what's actually meaningful and what's just bullshit? What really matters? And what's like, who cares? Then so much more of it is in the who cares category, actually. The meaningful stuff is like, can we love? Can we serve? Do we have our basic needs met? You know, are we safe? Of course we need these things. If you're listening to this podcast, so 
we're probably okay on those fronts ish. And all the other bits and pieces, maybe they just don't matter all that much. One of Dumavati's, uh, she has the Varada Mudra, right? Uh, you know, there's a couple of different, there's different, as, as with all of these uh, murtis or these goddesses, gods, depending on which one you look at, different number of arms, different holding different things in their hands, etc. But one of the things that she's holding in one of the interpretations, or she's doing rather, is um, the Varada Mudra. This is a mudra of giving knowledge. And I think this is the piece that I want us to finish on. These women... My Nana, Beryl, the crones in your life, Dumavati, they have been through it. And what she shows us with this mudra and what my Nana showed me, even the last time that I saw her, when things were really opaque, just give so much knowledge. Just this, 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 it's not just that they're wise women, but they're generous with their wisdom. And if we just have the patience to receive it, boons, incredible boons. Dumavati gives cities to the people who, to her devotees. If you find her, let me find it again. She grants cities to those who worship her that she rescues her devotees from all kinds of trouble and she grants all rewards and desires including ultimate knowledge and liberation. We don't always need to turn our sights to the bright, shiny things. Sometimes in the dark places, sometimes in the unlikely or maligned characters or parts of our lives is where the great wisdom actually is. And maybe also just if if you do have crones in your life that, that... uh, because of their safety and protection, like me with June, you've had to distance yourself. Get, give them a call. Give them a call. Um, I want to finish up with two things. The first one, just to say valet to my amazing grandma, Alma Rose McDonald, the woman who uh, <laughs> cheated at Scrabble, uh, who would beat me with the dictionary if I won at Scrabble, who I am sure uh, devised chores for me to do when I went to visit simply so that I would feel meaningful and useful <laughs> to her, uh, who could peel off a fart like nobody's business uh, and then blame anyone else for it, and who always had a stash of Tim Tams and mint slice in her pantry no matter what. Oh, I'm going to miss the hell out of you. And, um, you know, I, I also, at the same time, uh, have you with me always. It's one of my best friends ever. And let's finish up then with just one final passage from Maureen Murdoch in her incredibly insightful book, <laughs> although maybe a little dated. <laughs> the feminism is a little heavy-handed. The heroine's journey, she writes... One does not have to hold on to sadness, however. Releasing sadness is a discipline, like mindful breathing. Breathe in, you feel it. Breathe out, you release it. Breathe in, a tear rolls down your cheek. 
Breathe out, you feel gratitude for its warmth. Breathe in and smile. Be kind to yourself. Take baby steps. Take care, everybody. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favour to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at amyyogabizcoach. Take deep care.